Yeah, they did. <laughs> oh my god, stop. <laughs> I can't do this. Forget it. I don't want to do this anymore. We're three words in. I thought Wiz would be a little more of substance. No. <laughs> this is garbage. This is going to be the most garbage episode. Let's, okay, go ahead. Let's do it. Rip it off, band aid. Dearly beloved, welcome to the Unblessed Podcast where we inquire and exposit the mysteries of that ancient text, that good book itself, the Holy Bible. We are not theologians nor historians. We are but armchair philosophers who spent years in seminary or on a church staff and have since departed to make our own way. We invite you now to read, think, and laugh with us as we dive deep into the denominational doctrines of the divine in the Unblessed Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Unblessed Podcast. My name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And we are two ex-Hillsongers. Scott, what is Hillsong? <laughs> what is it? Just in general. Uh, it's it's a lot, is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Hillsong was the cool thing for worship leaders to jump onto back in 2003. I remember... My first time doing a Hillsong worship song in youth group, and I thought, this is it. This was it, is the future. Was it from the inside out? It was. Okay. <laughs> I remember exactly where I was. Someone asked me after youth group, they're like, you have to do this song called From the Inside Out. And I was like, that sounds from stupid. From the inside out, everlasting. Your oh my gosh. It was such a craze. People were like, I, I, every week people would ask like, we need to do this Hillsong song. And it just like stormed the whole nation. So yeah. yeah but that, what was your first? I mean, my first Hillsong song that I song healed was <laughs> <laughs> from the inside out. And then I also mm. did, I think in that same set, mighty to save. Oh, we, I did that one to my very last day doing music for church yep. that was that was uh, always in the pocket mighty to save mighty to save was always uh in the corner pocket um or in my back pocket not the corner pocket <laughs> not like i'm doing billiards mighty to save eight ball <laughs> corner pocket <laughs> 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 so how long did it actually take you to find out that hillsong was actually a church Ooh, i don't know i uh, uh yeah i thought they were a band for a good mm-hmm. while I'd say like a solid year. I probably thought, <laughs> oh, this is just a worship band. Um, I don't think I knew they. So I definitely in youth group, I was just like, yeah, Hillsong United is a cool band. Yeah. And and then like freshman, sophomore year of college, I found out that they were actually the worship band of a mega church in New York yes. City. Yep. Everything changed when I realized it was part of a big mega church. I was like, oh, okay, this is starting to feel a little more uh, produ- overproduced and mm-hmm. phony. But I was somewhat exposed to mega churches of that vibe 
I remember the first time I had a, did you ever heard of a vineyard churches? Oh yeah. I I had friends that went to vineyards. Oh Um, boy. Yeah. That was a whole experience. So this is getting kind of uh, away from what we intended to talk about, but um, in Alabama, there is a Hillsong-esque type church down there. And I'm taking shots. If I'm taking, go ahead. um, It's called church of the highlands. Oh boy, yeah. I've heard you talk about them. Church of the Highlands is fucking stupid. <laughs> um, you can fight me. You can fight me every single time. So one, like just from a theological perspective. Oh boy. They do not believe in once saved, always saved. And that's fine. They don't believe in that. Like whatever. Um, they be- And so they also have the belief of in order to be saved, you have to be baptized. Oh. Now... So if you have those things and your big thing is how many baptisms you do every Sunday, well, like, of course. Yeah. Of course your baptism numbers are going to be huge. And they have, like, this, like, they do the thing where they have, like, a, you know, metal baptism and like a backdrop. Yeah, so raw. But it, it attracts musicians. And so there's, like, a Highland College in, like, Birmingham, Alabama. Um, that is, you know, kind of very similar to Hillsong's uh, Hillsong College or whatever. Ugh, gross. And it's just, it's the Church of the Highlands' whole mission is basically around Alabama. And there was this Church of the Highlands that was going to open up in, I think, Birmingham or Montgomery. And these people in the neighborhood were like, no, we, we don't want your church here. We, want, we don't need a super center here. No, we don't. We don't need, a- we don't need this. We don't we, like. And they're just like, well, we're part of the kingdom of God, and they're like, but you're not taking into consideration your surroundings. No, it's okay. No, thank you. You and your white coffee Get church coming coming into these neighborhoods like you act like you know what you're doing. You don't. Ew, gross. Every I, single time. Like, if you, if you the want mega to point, church world, don't yeah, like it. If you want to point to something that's at fault for gentrifying, mega churches. Yeah. They're, mega churches are just money sucking, just production companies. Yeah. That is all they are. They might as well just be, call them CBS or whatever you want to call them. They are so overly bloated. Every time I'll get on like my phone and I'll see like some, my, algorithm on tiktok and instagram is so messed up because every video i see of like a delusional <laughs> fundamentalist christian verse or something i usually favorite it and like comment or something so now everything i see is like wild batshit crazy but i'll see a lot of mega church posts of like these like mega church worship leader couples and stuff like that or influencers as well with the big hats you know and like uh jean jackets on and blah 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 but it's just like I see their sets and like the their music equipment they use. And I know for a fact how much all that stuff costs. And I'm mm-hmm. like, they are working on a sound stage and sound equipment that is in probably a quarter million dollars at the minimum. And you're just and they're gonna act like, oh, we're here to help people. And I'd love to see their out their outreach budget. Yeah. Show me how much you're giving back to the community and then show me how much you're giving towards your AV. And I don't want to hear it because I worked in music. I've worked as an AV tech. I used to work at, uh, you know, a big soundstage place where they put on 
EDM shows, and even those shows don't have more equipment than some of these churches do. So yeah. I don't want to hear from these churches where like, well, we need this to for our sound needs. And you know, if if I brought you to my house, well, you know, I want to make sure you have the you know nice accommodations. It's like, no. <laughs> All right, well, I'm coming over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking open up the bottle of wine you'd been saving. Oh, like it's so it, gross. Dude. It's so bad and this kind of got off topic from what we were originally going to talk about but like um my big thing with mega churches my big thing with uh these like church networks is growth starts to outpace the mission a lot of times oh yeah and so the desire for growth because when you have growth you have money and the money starts feeding into those executive pastors those people in leadership <sighs> and that's where it goes and I it, I can't like we we wonder so many times. Hillsong is a perfect example. They had a spectacular fall from grace. Mars Hill is another one. Like all of these pastors, all these huge oh. like pastors at the top of these networks. All of I a sudden, get so fired up over this. Right all now. Oh all of gosh. a sudden, it comes to light that they're having affairs or they're like using money for shit they shouldn't be using <gasps> money for, and it's like, well, no shit. You you yeah. don't. Like they're basically being given this money at this point. And I'm not defending them. I'm actually attacking them at the moment because <laughs> what they what they have done is they've been like, oh shoot, this is a really easy way for me to make money. Then I'm gonna yeah. go harder on it. Here's my take, and this is part of my journey in church was I saw how much executive pastors would make at small churches. I'm not even talking about the big mega churches, but church of maybe 300 400 people mm-hmm. you'd have pastors that were making 90 100 dollars a year and you have people coming to your congregation asking for food asking for medical assistance and i remember I, I there was one church i was at where out of the whole budget where you could have a pastor being paid a hundred thousand dollars a year outreach budget was a thousand dollars a year a thousand isn't that crazy for like neighborhood outreach? They had some other programs. There was like a pantry they would do and some other things, but like, and there's like technically there's mission trips part of that. But as far as like their emergency fund, mission trips, know, aka vacation days. Yeah. But it dry. So I know that went on at a local level. And I, I just cringe knowing how much these losers at Hillsong or even these big networks, all these buddy, buddy pastors that like Matt Chandler, who are going to be your friend by bet they're making quarter million dollars. And it's to me, it's gross. It's being a pastor should be, it's a servant leadership position. And I, I don't think it's right that you make that much money compared to volunteers. Most of your staff is volunteer too. Most of your staff is pay their volunteers. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oh. Here, here's my deal on this. Go off. I'm getting so fired up. I'll <laughs> give you. I'll say, all right, you can make seventy, one hundred, whatever, as long as your tangible impact to the community mirrors that. Sure. Because in my world, like the restaurant that opens up down the street, does a lot for the community, and it's a full-on business. Yeah. They got to pay tax on everything, like they, and they are taxed for everything. That's so my they, thing is, or at least, how about you just take away your five hundred one c three status if you're going to make that much money and yeah. get give back by taxes. I'm fine with that. Make as yeah. much money as you want, but let's get some taxes in. Yeah, there. also let's 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 draw a line between the you know end the like 
tiny Southern Baptist church meeting in a chapel in Valley, Alabama. Yeah, right. And the church with subwoofers. <laughs> the church of subwoofers. <laughs> First subwoofer. Um, I can't say subwoofer. Subroof. Sub- sub- subwoofer. Subwoofer. I feel like I'm either... I think you're you have the emphasis on the woo. You're like a woofer. subwoofer. Sub subwoofer. Subwoofer. Woofer. Subwoofer. <laughs> I feel like I'm either mispronouncing a German word or I'm saying it like I'm from Boston. <laughs> like it's one of those. I'm like subwoofer. <laughs> Soapy water. <laughs> oh man. But I yeah, mega churches I will always get a little angry about cuz I don't see any reasoning if you are a faithful Christian to make that much money as a pastor, because like you said, it's about growth mindset. It's like, well, yeah. I remember even when I was working in churches, they would say, well, if you're going to bring in, they would say things like good talent or like things like good preaching, you have to pay for it. And I would think, what? Like, that's not, I thought it was about like whoever's the most faithful and a good servant who called. I thought pastors was being called, but then they would say, well, as we're doing this pastoral search, you know, we have to make sure we give people good offers and like people aren't going to move up here unless they have a good offer. And it's like, or I thought it was all about a calling. Yeah. That's <laughs> I it was about calling. <laughs> that's always the fun quite Like I remember, uh, I quote unquote got called, um, my sophomore junior year or something like that. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Hi. <laughs> and some other friends of mine were like, yeah, I feel the calling too. And I was sitting there and I was like, I think you suck. Like, I don't think you'd be great at this. Um, is this all that it? You're like, if I got called, how did you get freaking yeah, called? Like, no I'm, way. I don't know. Um, which, I mean, and also to be fair, like, I have that feeling about being called, or I had it, and then I would also go and see people preach. I would go and see, like, various yeah. different churches, and you're sitting there, and you're like, I can do this better. Oh, <laughs> <Like>. yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Which is such kind of a shitty thing to no. feel like you it's a shitty feeling in that moment because you're yeah. like, no, they have their own calling, everything like that. Um, but at the same time, you're just sitting there and you're like, I I would sit there and I'd listen to sermons and I'd be like, I know how to preach this better. Yes, hundred percent. I would I saw so many people who are church planters that wanted to be full on, you know, preaching pastors that were so bad at preaching. I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, this is your career. Like you are not good at this. Like you have to be a good public speaker and you have to be engaging. That's, that's the secret. But if you're, if you're still listening to our podcast and you are involved or on staff at a church, here is, here's the secret sauce to growing your church. You need a good band and you need an, an engaging and funny and personable public speaker. If yep. you have those two things, you can fill a room. You can do it. Absolutely. You want to know why your church is dying? You either have a bad band or you have a really well, you're bad. <laughs> or you're, you're a bad pastor. It's really not rocket science. It's All these churches are like, not. we just need stickers and outreach events. Like it doesn't it, matter. If your pastor's a creep when he gets up there on Sunday morning, they're not gonna come back. Like it doesn't matter. I just people couldn't see that though. They would these like homeschooly pastors that never engaged with the outside world, never played a video game or saw a PG-13 movie in their life are going to connect with the neighborhood in 
downtown Chicago suddenly, like it doesn't work. No. <laughs> They're so blind, but anyway, that's my secret sauce. So take, take that for free if you want. Speaking of secret sauce. Yeah. What, what let's, let's dive into the holy, holy matrimony today. The, the holy matrimony. <laughs> The holy text, the holy Scott, Bible. Scott, what are we? What what uh, body part of the church are we talking about today? The word is the password is penis. Today, <laughs> we're talking about the male member. And to be fair to our listeners, this was all Evan's <laughs> ideas. So, if you were recruited to listen to this episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> Scott did have a right when we were we're going to be talking about the uh Council of Jerusalem regarding circumcision and right before this after we decided to do this uh Scott was like I realize I just invited so many people to listen to this and their first episode they're going to listen to is going to just be about trimming the schlong. Just just a bunch of dick jokes coming yeah. at us. Absolutely. We're going to I love it. No I've got the or... I've got the dickometer right over here, so we'll yep. see how see how high we go. <laughs> uh, Let's do it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> chapter fifteen, verse one. Some men came. Yeah, they did. <laughs> oh my god! Stop! <laughs> I can't do this. Forget it. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> We're three words in. <laughs> I thought this would be a little more of substance. <laughs> No. <laughs> this is garbage. <laughs> this is gonna be the most garbage episode. Let's, okay, go ahead. Let's do it. Rip it off, band-aid. <laughs> Some men came down from Judea and began to teach uh, the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. But after Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious argument and debate. The church arranged for Paul and Barnabas. Sorry. <laughs> Just, Keep going. Uh, some others were them to go to the apostles and elders in uh, Jerusalem concerning this controversy. When they had been sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Penicia and Samaria, explaining in detail the conversion of the, of the Gentiles. And they created great joy among all the brothers. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the apostles, and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but some of the believers from the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, it's necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. I love that the first church meeting is about penises. Yeah, let's let's pause right there. This is good. So there's a lot, I mean, not a lot to unpack, but... <laughs> this package has <laughs> so at least one handled. package. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> My brain is like, I can hear the fans worrying, all the dick jokes trying to come out. Did, did you did you hear how instead of Phoenicia, I said Penicia? I did. I I did. did. I did knew you. you did you hear how I said how instead of conversion, I said conversion? Okay, that one slipped by me, but. <laughs> <laughs> Was it was it funny? Am I funny? That's so funny. I <laughs> busted at the seams over here. Okay, first two though. I love that it's, it makes a point of Paul and Barnabas had no mine says no small dissension. You said a 
what a heated argument or what did it say? Yeah, in serious argument and serious debate. Serious argument. I love that they. It wasn't just like they had a discussion. It was a serious debate. It was no. Mine says no small dissension. So it was a big fight. It, it, was, was, it was a huge fight in the church. It was two dads over the heat of the grill. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like just raring up those New Balances. Don't don't you turn that yet? Don't you flip it? So this was a big deal. So yeah. for just for context, not that I have much, but. For those who just opened the Bible for the first time, sorry again, but secondly, uh, Acts is, you know, the, this is the church and its first, uh, you know, it's it's getting its legs. It's getting yeah. its, it's trying to figure out what it's doing. It's Jesus already resurrected and yeah. the Holy Spirit's here. So they're like, what do we, what do we do now? Yeah, now Avengers in game already happened. We're <laughs> in like right. we're in the <laughs> yeah. after phases That's of exactly Christianity. Right. You know, Iron Produces Man's dead. Like <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're fine. Uh, and so, and, and it was you know pretty commonplace uh, for uh, circumcision uh, among the uh, Jewish faith, and Christianity was seen largely as a Jewish religion. It was a Jewish sect. Oh, yes, 100%. Um, and then you had Paul, uh, who was Jewish, but was ministering to Gentiles because he could kind of like bob and weave between the two because his one of his parents was Jewish and the other was Greek. And so that's, that's right. where you get the Paul and Saul thing is whenever, um, usually whenever he is uh, in, um, I think, Jewish mode, he's Saul. And whenever he's in Gentile <laughs> mode, he's Paul. Um, it's kind of fun. That's great. Um, um yeah, to, for just to jump on that, it's, I think a lot of times we assume that Christians was a thing right after the cross got put down. Like they, like that was not really a term for a while. Like people, were, this was still of the Jewish faith for the most part. Christ was a Jew. He was a Jewish rabbi. So for people who were following yeah. him, they were assumed to be Jewish. Yeah. So I think that context for me, when I was growing up and I would read Acts and some of the New Testament, I didn't really understand the whole Jewish, like Jew and Gentile dynamic. I just thought, why don't people just be nice to the Gentiles? Like, I don't get it. They're all Christians. They're all Christians. Who cares? You know, and it's fascinating to think about you had this longstanding religion for centuries and centuries and centuries. And and then this fella, Jesus comes along. He's pretty nice. He makes some bread. He breaks a few loaves, you know. Loves of bread and some fish. He teaches people how to fish a little bit better. All these things, you know. Uh, My brother would do this thing where he would um, either tell me I was something and I wouldn't know what the word was and I would get upset. And so he walked up to me when I was little and said, Evan, you're a Gentile. And I was like, no, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. sounds like so accusatory. (laughs) You're a Gentile. It has always, it's kind of a negative term in some sense of like, mm. when you read the New Testament, it's kind of like, oh, the Gentiles there and their sexual morality and whatnot. So that's just the kind of, there's these two camps of, yep. most people were Jewish. Jesus was, I would say, enforcing Jewish traditions at mm. the very least. Yeah. Um, and then you have all these people who were not Jewish, jump, now they're, you know, the bandwagoners are yeah. coming on and... Now people that Tom Brady won a Super Bowl. Yeah, oh boy. Jeez. And so people start noticing people's uh downstairs regions. Really <laughs> some people don't have Which it all there. Some the people do. the funniest thing 
know. I know. Like, who cares? We even like looked it up earlier, and like, uh, I think it was a, it was maybe in the century right before. Um, you had, um, you had Jewish people trying to hide the fact that they were circumcised, uh, so that they could <laughs> compete in sporting events for social status, to even like go and work out at the gym, which I don't want to work out at that gym. Um. <laughs> You mean any YMCA in America? But they even had like they yeah no. They even had like um practices on how to fake that you were no longer circumcised. Jeez. Like it, it's, it's just bananas. Um so yeah, this practice is certainly not uh not welcome with open arms to the Gentiles. They're not like, I have to do what now? Oh, yeah. I, that's that's my favorite part of this. It's like, oh, man, this whole religion on, like, grace and everything sounds great. Like, what do I need to do? And it's like, oh, well, confess with your mouth and your heart that Jesus is Lord. Okay. Totally done. Gotcha. And, uh, and yeah, the last thing you need to do is just, you know, cut off the last little bit of your dick. And it's like, huh? Huh? <laughs> oh, excuse me? What? What? I, one Which, more time. We got to write that down. God, no wonder, like, when you meet Christians in the New Testament, half of them are women. Like, <laughs> like, like it's a little bit easier to a little um, bit easier get to on become the bus. A, yeah. become a Christian and acts if you're a woman. You know, I think the rumor mill is still maybe running around by the time Lydia shows oh up. It's just so like, that, that's the group that cuts people's dicks off. <laughs> Oh, well, let's keep going because yeah. there's so much. There's a lot. Uh, so uh, the apostles and the elders assembled to consider this matter, and there had been much debate. Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you are aware that in early days God made a choice among you that by mouth the Gentiles would hear the gospel message and believe. So he's saying that, like, in the early days, like, you, we were supposed to spread this message. Yeah. Um, and God who knows the heart, testified to them by giving the Holy Spirit, just as he also did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now then, and this is interesting, you brought up this good point, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on the disciples' necks that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? Yeah. I have never, like, reread that verse. I've, I've kind of skimmed over this section, but... It's an excellent point because either he is saying we haven't been able to keep the law right? in general, um, which is something that Jesus kind of reiterated all the time about, you know, the uh, woman yes. being stoned. He was like, all right, wh- whoever hasn't sinned, whoever hasn't broken the law, y'all can go ahead and start casting stones. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the yeah. Alabama standard version. Um, <laughs> I don't care who y'all are. <laughs> hell go ahead um but um so he's either saying that or peter is saying we don't like this right <laughs> like, it's kind of projecting a little bit we don't, we don't like this tradition so why or why are you making it more difficult he's basically saying like why are we making this more difficult for people to become christians yeah i would even argue that I mean, so, you know, the Bible, what we have is records that are years later. You know, we, we don't get necessarily what is exactly in this moment, but we have good ideas of what was being talked about and discussed and eventually written down. Nope, this, I is, think, a, this is a Siri recording. This is a, this is a notes <laughs> app recording from Peter. 
Yeah. Uh, my take is that in order to back to Hillsong, the growth mindset, if they wanted to bring in more people and actually br- like bring them into the fold, they realized that circumcision was a huge barrier. And so, <laughs> yeah, no shit. I mean, literally, they were like, <laughs> they're like, we want to spread the gospel. And Jesus said we have to spread to everybody all over the earth. But damn. It's hard cutting people's dicks off. <laughs> we can't keep you doing this. You tried cutting a 30-year-old's dick off recently? Yeah, we can't get converts anymore. Like, <laughs> no one over the age of 10 wants to do this. And even oh, they God. don't. No. Yeah. So, of course, it's impossible to get anybody to, like, jump on board for this. So, I think both are there where, A, it's like, this has been a... a tough tradition to follow in general but now they're really hitting this uh this crux of now it's not just family like it's not just like a family tradition passed right through generations now they're trying to bring people they're they're trying to do the thing where god told abraham hey you got to cut your dick off (laughs) and they're realizing oh this doesn't this doesn't work if you don't already. Oh, Abraham this. was wild for this one. Yeah. <laughs> Abraham was 90 years old. And just like, <laughs> anyway, going to go cut my dick off. Hey, Isaac, stay there. <laughs> Put all that dry wood on your back. <laughs> yeah. Isaac, start gathering wood. Don't ask why. Uh, uh, okay. So yeah. then the whole assembly fell silent. Listen to Barnabas and Paul describe all the signs and wonders they had done among the Gentiles. So the other thing is proving that they actually like that, you know, God is wanting them to reach the Gentiles. Yeah. Um, then James responded and said, listen to me. Simeon has reported uh, how God first inter- intervened to take from the Gentiles a people for his name. And the words of the prophets agree with him. Uh, after these things, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. I will build in ruins for the sake of humanity. Everybody called him blah, 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 blah. But I like this part. Uh, therefore, in my judgment, James is concluding, uh, we should not cause difficulties for those among the Gentiles who turn to God, which is kind of what Scott was alluding to. Um, He goes, but instead, we should write to them to abstain from things polluted Hmm. by idols, from sexual immorality, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from blood. Um, So James a little bit misses the point. (laughs) (laughs) We shouldn't have any more blood in our bodies? (laughs) James is like, guys, yeah, we got to put the circumcision thing aside, but like, I, we, like, let's think about what really matters, okay? So don't eat fish on Fridays. Like, (laughs) stay, stay away from, stay away from eating shellfish. Stay away from mixed fabrics. Yeah. You know, all those things. Yeah. That are ruining Uh, people. For since ancient times, Moses has had those who proclaim it in every city. And every Sabbath day, he is read aloud in the synagogue. Yeah, so verse 20, it's interesting that um, he's calling out these specific things, like other kind of quote-unquote ceremonial and uh, traditional laws of the Old Testament. Because um, he's telling them to like not eat meat with blood in it, which could be argued as like raw meats, or it could be argued as like potentially... Like I wonder if it's a what's strangled. That's what's so interesting to me. I'm trying to look at my ESV study notes right there. It just says meat with blood in it. So I don't know if there's some like rule against strangled meats back in the day. If there's like strangled and unstrangled meat shops around, you know, there's 
go get it at your local butcher. Go to Stan the Strangler. <laughs> <laughs> Best strangled meat in town. Best strangled meat. Boy. Right here. You can really feel the wrist on this meat. <laughs> <laughs> you can really feel Stan's passion. <laughs> passion. He really had a bad day. <laughs> he just went at it against the goat. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> went at it. So, yeah, I, they're they're telling people to, if they're not going to be doing these things, uh, you should still abstain and, and follow some of the law. This opens up a whole another category. It might be a whole sidetrack for me, but the no. idea of the law that Christians had to follow at the time was wild to me. The fact that there, it wasn't really readily available. You didn't have... Uh, the whole law at your disposal all the time like we do now. I mean, you'd have to go to synagogue and hear it. Yeah, that that might like, be the way to go. Oh, I shouldn't yeah. do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, murder. I should stop that. <laughs> oh, gee, what do I do? But question? What if we did it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do what now? With our oh. penises? What? <laughs> um, I have... I, so I do have another thought on the... Yeah. So consider... This isn't a list, but it's an appositive. So, from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, comma, from eating anything that has been strangled. So, oh you my know, gosh. like, jeez, Evan. I mean, some people <laughs> they like it a little bit rough. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna look up what the definition of reaching is. <laughs> Really quick. I just want to see what the internet. <laughs> oh, I saw the light bulb go off too. I saw the moment you were going to do that. I knew it. Oh man. Oh, I want to kind of go back to how this was debated. I think it's funny. Like you mentioned that this is one of the first Big business meetings of God's holy church is bride, and they're worried about what what people are doing with their dicks. First I think order of business, yeah. Most importantly, what are we doing with these? What I'm, <laughs> I need everybody who's been circumcised over in this area, and everybody who hasn't been over in this area, and we will check. Anybody with a toupee on? No, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Or whatever you call it. <laughs> Anybody oh, with boy. a beak over there? <laughs> a beak. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, yeah, th- th- this is the very first business meeting, and they're just trying to hammer out the details of whether we should be uh, circumcising new converts. And then if we flip to a few verses later, really, chapter 16, Evan, what happens just a chapter <laughs> later? <laughs> So, oh, Evans. Yep. Edit this out. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so first off, um, uh, yeah, they have this whole conversation about how they're not supposed to uh, circumcise the Gentiles, and Paul is among them, uh, who writes a letter, um. And says, you know, uh, we've uh, heard this, don't do it. Uh, And it gets decided at the Council of Jerusalem. And the overarching theological theme of the Council of Jerusalem, we should say, is that uh, you're saved by 
you know, faith and not by works. So yeah. that's kind of the idea um, when you're interpreting the text. Mm-hmm. But the text in and of itself is okay. Gentiles don't have to <laughs> don't have to do the snip. You get anymore. a free pass if you're yeah. Gentile. Congratulations. Yeah, they don't yeah. need the nip and tuck. Um, <laughs> but it's hilarious because so that all happens. We go through this whole argument. We go through this whole ordeal to decide. Okay, Gentiles do not need to be circumcised. Chapter 16. Then Paul went on to Derba and Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, so he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, as they all knew that his father was a Greek. So, like, immediately, immediately. Paul's Back, just like backtrack. Yeah, Paul's just like, well, I mean, these people, we want to be able to reach the people in this area. It's so that's so funny that they we don't even know how old Timothy is, but yeah. he's not a child by the standards of the time, I would say. He's probably out and about. He's not like eight days old, I should say. Is this <laughs> the biblical times equivalent? of going on a mission trip to Haiti and getting like cornrows or dreadlocks and braided hair. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Cornrows for your pants. <laughs> <laughs> like, but like innocent, cause the kid's not I, like the kid's got a Jewish parent, but like he's, he's never been circumcised. He's never done the tradition. He's never uh, partaken in that part of, Jewish culture, but in order to reach the Jewish culture, he has to engage in it because, you know, the whole thing about Jewish people in the Old Testament is they were walking around and they were like, all right, pants down, need to see. (laughs) That's why I wonder so much because it does, it makes the point in the verse. So we don't even have to assume it says he was the son of a Jewish woman. By default, if your mom is Jewish, you are considered Jewish. Mm -hmm. And that, that has been a tradition. It's still tradition today. And so he has the ultimate, uh, you know, alibi of saying he's Jewish. He's like, well, yeah, my mom's Jewish. So to me, it's like, he doesn't even really have to get circumcised either. It'd be one thing if he was a hundred percent Gentile, you know, if he was a hundred percent Greek or something that, that to me could make some sense. They might have to go like, we got to make him a, you know, a little bit more like the rest of the crowd, but, (laughs) (laughs) but even then they just had this full, I know. Not a small church. dissension, a large one. <laughs> a large one. This full <laughs> church network meeting. I think someone got their feelings hurt at that meeting, too. That's why they wrote that it was a big argument. Someone got their feelings hurt. <laughs> so who, who got their feelings hurt? Like, why? Did, I don't know. Like, just like, now hold on. This was a big decision. Don't say it was a small one. I, I, <laughs> size matters, okay? I really, I really want... When you guys, when you write about me in the Bible, don't don't write me like a nerd. Okay, James. <laughs> it's just so funny that they had such a big argument about it. But so, yeah, Timothy. Already Jewish, I guess, according to tradition, but not circumcised. So to your point, they are, I guess, I guess they're just dropping trow with anybody they meet and are seeing if they're circumcised. Or not. It's such a str- a strange practice for me well, of how they ceremonial law in the sense of it. Like yes. with all of the different ceremonial laws that are ceremonially lawful. That's right. So ceremonious. 
all of the different ceremonial laws that happen all the time. You're going to get me started on all that. I'm trying to bait you. I'm trying to bait you. Ceremonial laws don't make sense. And people would explain that they're done away with. I argue with people on the internet about this. They'll go, well, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to pay attention to things in Leviticus or those miscellaneous or ceremonial laws in Deuteronomy because those are done away with. Only only the ones that are moral laws. Moral laws are what God wants us to always follow. Because in the New Testament, Christ being a Jewish rabbi, he states that not a single iota of the law would pass away. So he tells people that you have to follow the law to, you know, be his disciple, to bring in the kingdom of heaven, all this. Christ doesn't really talk a lot about belief in many of his verses. No. It's, it's not a lot of like, faith and grace and trust it's that's a lot of paul's workings yeah. we owe much of our theology to paul to be honest but absolutely christ even, taught yeah, yeah so many different things about your doings and your works for, yeah. but yeah and i christ jesus's big thing was having mercy when someone breaks it yes i think that was what was revolutionary because there's a whole episode about um his disciples picking wheat in a field yes and all these pharisees are like it's the sabbath and he's like they gotta eat yeah. Like, just, yeah. Is the like, Sabbath made for you or are you for the Sabbath? Yeah. 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 What's, so, what's the deal here? Like, and so, like, I think a reconst- he's had the reconstruction of the mindset of, like, yes. Okay. Like, the law isn't supposed to be a burden. Right. It's supposed to help you. But you are absolutely right. At no point, he did not say, let's well, do away with these weird ceremonial ones that we don't do anymore. Yeah. He, you know? he said he was fulfilling the law. Yes. And I think whichever that means, I would imagine what that means is like, it's not necessarily doing away with it. It's just that he is the one that has, he's showing this is the right way to live it and the right way to fulfill and live in this law. But not anywhere does he say like, we should not do these ceremonial laws anymore. So I, I got fired up before this because in our study Bible notes, they talk about why circumcision is considered one of the ceremonial laws that can be done away with, but everything else needs to be still strictly followed. And yet it's something we still do to this day. I know. And that's, what's funny to me is that we still do that as Protestant churches. And I mean, Catholic churches too, but uh, they still do that just for the sake of tradition. Really? That's, that is of all the things in the, of all the practices. That's the one where it's written down like, "Hey, we don't have to do this anymore." Right? It, it <laughs> is. And honestly, it's so strange. Yeah, that people and people make up reasonings to do it outside of the Bible. They'll be like, "Well, it's you know, blah blah blah. It's actually healthier. It's better." But it's like, no, it's just it's, we do this because it's been a tradition for so many years, and people are afraid to not do it. That's yeah. really what it is. What what will my what would my son think of when he sees that my penis doesn't look like his? <laughs> I love that argument. I don't know. Maybe it's never going to look the same because you're a full grown man. I know. And that's a baby. Jeez. <laughs> like, I, I don't understand He's it. He's going to be also confused when he sees a shit ton of hair on your chest. <laughs> like. And why are you guys staring at each other nude? Yeah. <laughs> How did you get into this predicament in the first place? Like this predicament. What happened here? Oh man. You're right. It's funny that it's the of the ceremonial laws, the one that is explicitly given a pass 
is the one that's enforced the most over time. I no one talks about eating shrimp or eating cooking crustacean, a cooking a cook, goat and it's having a cheeseburger or whatever. Like seriously. Yeah. I mean, there's dietary restrictions that no one gives a flying flip over. And uh, but the one about cutting dicks off, we're gonna just yeah, we'll roll with that. That's fine. Well, we won't second guess that one. Oh yeah. I don't know. To me, I'm going to, here comes soapbox time, but it's, it's like the biblical illiteracy of most believers that many people are just, they take from what they've been given as far as tradition and what they enjoy and they, they run with it and, and they, they're missing out on some of this church history that's already in the Bible. Some of these debates have already been, they're not extra biblical texts we're talking through here. This is, we're just looking at verses. And so to me, it's fascinating that as a believer, to not also have some of those same arguments in your brain of like, why do we circumcise? It's it's just as simple as asking the why question in many yeah. cases. Well, why do we do this? Or why do we have worship services the way we do? Why do we have bands? Why do we have this? You know, and you realize a lot of the things you do in church are just for tradition's sake. They, there's not a real moral or theological reason behind it, other than just people going, Well, that's just the way we've done it. You know, that's just that's tradition. That's just the way we've done it. That's the way it's worked best. Yeah. Because you can find arguments for either reason. I've, I had people tell me I was sinful for having guitars and drums in church. And I've had people think that's the best thing in the world for church. So it yeah. really, you can get any flavor and any moral grounding you want if you argue about it enough and <laughs> from that, the Bible. That goes back to my whole shtick on like a calling and everything like that. And, yeah. And, you know, looking at, you know, it, just... It, it doesn't have to be a sin to have guitars and drums in church. Just say you don't like it. Right. Yeah. Preference. Like, that's that's kind of where it, like, it just say you don't like it at that point. Like, mm -hmm. it's fine to not like it. It's fine to not like things. Why do yes. we have to, why is, does there have to be a theological power that backs up whether or not you like something? Yep. That's, oh, that's the nail on the head right there is, People will use God and use the Bible as a way to get their preferences pushed. And like, we see the way in I this verse that the theological power, if anything, is backing up not circumcising. Right. I know. Like, and it's still, and we see how strong tradition is. At the very least. Chapter 16. At the very least, he seems ambivalent. Yep. He's just like, I don't care. Guys, this is not, not the point. Right. Like, so yeah, it's very fascinating. I, I, that's interesting you bring that up because yeah, as much as they do kind of argue and bicker about it, the weight of tradition carries through in chapter 16. They're like, yeah. well, we're just going to circumcise anyway. Yeah. That's this way we've done it. So if there's one piece of archeological evidence I want in the entire world, <laughs> oh boy. it is the minutes from the council of jerusalem <laughs> I, I want whoever <laughs> whoever was writing down the minutes <laughs> minute one we talked about paul's dick minute two we talked about peter's dick minute three we talked about james's dick minute, minute four, four we talked about barnes's dick. donut break <laughs> minute five we had a nice little pastry break pastry break in the coffee room <laughs> minute six we talked about my dick I didn't want us to, but we did. I love this. And at seven, we talked about Peter's dick again. 
Well, what is your final thoughts on the circumcision council of Acts 15? It's all it's also a lot of theologians refer to it as like the worst meeting. Hmm. Now, the well, worst it, and first church meeting. Yeah, well, it blows. <laughs> That's me shutting my Bible as hard as I can. Oh my God. I walked right into that. <laughs> this oh is boy. this is where I play ball. This is where I, your final thought is revoked now. <laughs> All right. You have 30 seconds or less for your final thought. Okay. No, I think it kind of goes back to like this is I, I think the biggest takeaway here for anyone is okay, we still circumcise kids to this day, and particularly boys. Um, we have scripture here that says we don't have to do that. And there were people around that time who weren't doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So why do we continue to do it? Yep. And I've got my own personal thoughts on it. But like, I think that's a great question to ask. Like it, this isn't even a, is the Bible right? Is the Bible wrong? Kind of question. It's a, we have a thing here. They had yes. a whole, it was their first meeting. Um, about whether or not they should do this. And they said, okay, they don't have to. Gentiles yeah. don't have to get circumcised to be Christians. So yeah. what is the significance? Mm. Hmm. My my interesting thought of all this is their use of scripture and, and just reasoning to get through this. Because I actually want to point out in my study Bible... They talk about how, uh, here it is, this important theological issue in the early history of the church was not decided by sudden decree spoken by a prophet, but by the careful reasoning and thoughtful argumentation based on scripture. My thought is, I love the part about careful reasoning and thoughtful argumentation, but they say based on scripture, what scripture they have at the time of this meeting? They did not have the whole new, they didn't have the new Testament. No. And they, they had likely, uh, I wouldn't even know if they would have the old Testament, the whole old Testament at this time. They probably did. They had the um, Hebrew Bible at this point, but I wonder if even with the scripture, if they're only talking about the first five books and just the law itself, right? They could be doing all encompassing, but most likely they're probably talking about the, the, the Torah, the five, the first yeah. five, uh, it's explicit what to do in the Torah. It is not like, well, only if you want. Like it says, God decrees to Abraham, do this so you are my chosen people, period. And they are debating if that is... So to me, the bigger issue, not the issue, but the, but the bigger lesson from this is that the church should be allowed to debate what God wants them to do and not. Even if, even if it's written in stone, that they should be able to go, you know what, maybe we don't need to do this. So that's why I'm so baffled by like the modern church when they're like, well, it says in Leviticus or Deuteronomy that you can't be gay or that women can't do this and this and this. And it's like, okay, but why can't we debate this? Have some, like it says, why can't we have some careful reasoning and thoughtful arguments about this and decide, you know what, maybe we don't need to do this anymore. So when it I think it all comes down to because it has to do with male penises, it got pushed up the ranks even faster. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's why it was, you know, 
it benefited men. So that's why it got <laughs> pushed up the ranks. And a big thing about like uh, Jewish interpretation of the Torah, a lot of um, a lot of what they would have is just inter- is they would have the Torah, but then they would also surprise, surprise, preaching didn't come out of nowhere. Oh, absolutely. It was yeah. originally a rabbinic form. And so you had, you probably had during this meeting, a lot of people quoting different rabbis, even quoting Jesus, Um, but quoting a lot of different interpretations of the original Torah. And so they aren't necessarily looking at the law in and of itself and what it says. They're saying, okay, so given the law and given where we are now and given what needs to happen, how do we navigate this scenario? Because they also try to fit in Jesus through all of this yeah. of like, well, wh- and I think the big question is, well, why did Jesus die? I think that's how all this theology in the New Testament was born was people had to answer the question of why did Jesus need to die? Like if he was God incarnate, why couldn't he just live forever? And so that's why all these, oh, he must have died because we needed a final sacrifice. And oh, he must have died and rose to like seal our fate and blah, 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 blah. So these explanations came forth after the resurrection. And I think we missed that the early church was figuring all this out. It wasn't like someone handed them like, this is why Jesus came and why he had a horrific death and rose, blah, 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 blah. Remember remember your friend? Yeah. Remember him? (laughs) Remember that guy that freaking died? Remember remember the guy who made the wedding real fun? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, but people were wondering why that guy have to die if he was the Messiah. And they go, well, he didn't die. He rose and... Well, he actually died because he someone had to pay for sin. And so the early church was constantly trying to figure out what they needed to do. And I'll I'll end with here because I'm going to just keep rambling. But I, I just don't understand why we suddenly thought, well, we, we have the Bible. We don't need to think about it anymore. Like all the interpreting has been done already because we got the Bible and it's one book now. And I completely disagree. And it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, Just read it once. Perfect sense. Perfect sense. No confusion. Oh my gosh. Well, Evan, what what's been what's on your uh what's been on your radar? What's been in your um, world? Ooh, a lot. Um, I I watched like three documentaries this past week. Um, one was it's on documentary. Song, so it's the it's the Hillsong documentary on yeah. Hulu. That's what prompted today's icebreaker. Um, another one was on the, uh, I think I told about this maybe last time, uh, the, uh, Lula Rich pyramid scheme. Um, no, yeah. I talked about the, uh, the rye last time I talked about bull riders. Yes, you did. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then the other documentary I watched was on the, uh, Duggar family. Oh, I know. I got to watch that one. And yes. how like chaotically cultic they were. Um, it's so funny. Like we were mentioning before, it's like, I can see from a mile away that there's going to be issues with that family. But yeah. of course now, suddenly <laughs> now the documentary comes out. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> ah, gee, this guy was a creep. Yeah. Who'd have thunk? This guy was involved in a cult. This man with like <laughs> 19 kids, the guy with permanent press jeans all the time. <laughs> Oh, geez. So Mr. Documentary over there. You know, I'm just out here learning. I've been on the opposite. I watched an anti-documentary this weekend for the first time. What was it? You're going to be amazed that this is the first time I watched this movie. Okay. Tropic Thunder. 
<laughs> that <laughs> is one of my. I might get some hate for this, but that's one of my top five favorite movies. Oh all time. boy, <laughs> it was a whirlwind of a movie. I mean, I've seen like good chunks of it, but I this is the first time I actually sat down and watched it, and uh, yeah, it was insane. But I liked it. It was funny. I just oh, want to yeah. say, I'm, just to get the elephant out of the room, Robert Downey Jr. I don't know how on earth he pulled that movie off. I don't know. I I thought he was only gonna be in the movie for like fifteen minutes. I oh, thought no, like God, no, he's a main fucking character. That's I was laughing the whole time because I thought he would just show up at some point and then kind of be gone. Like I knew it wasn't a cameo, but I just thought like maybe him being in blackface was only gonna be like part of the movie. But oh my God, it was the whole movie. The I was whole this, movie. I was like crawling under the couch i could not handle it if you want to get real uncomfortable like oh my god google interviews of him being asked whether or not that's okay oh no (laughs) he does not know how to answer that question because it's not like yeah it's not like he is playing a black character like it's not like robert downey jr is he's playing a psychotic actor. He's making fun of actors, which I think is his ace in the hole. But yeah. boy, it I yeah, it's a whole other topic. But I was oh, just sure. so surprised by that. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like two hours of him in this. So oh, anyway, that's all I got. So well, thank you everyone so much for listening. Hopefully, we didn't alienate anybody with literally anything we said <laughs> during this episode. <laughs> um, if we did, we're sorry. But yeah. um, you can follow us <laughs> at Unblessed Pod on Twitter at Unblessed Pod, on Instagram at Unblessed Pod, on TikTok. And then you can email us at unblessedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, thank you so much for listening. And without further ado, my name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And don't forget to close that bottle. <laughs>